You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode, episode number 105 of Red Leg Nation Radio. Uh, I'm Chad Dotson, one of your hosts here tonight, joining me as he often does, and I'm looking forward to uh, even more of these conversations in the future. Um, my good buddy, Joel Luckup. Joel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just got back from New Orleans and just in time for it to get cold back in Cincinnati again. Has it been cold in Cincinnati? I, I no, hadn't, I hadn't. no. It's it's been warm for the, a few days, but it all happened while I was out of town, and now it's cold again. I think some people might uh, argue with you that it's not been cold or not been uh, warm in Cincinnati in months and months and months. It's been a bad winter. Yeah, it has. Um, well, we're here to talk about uh, warm things. It's spring, spring training, as a matter of fact, and the the old red legs are back on the field, uh, albeit not in Cincinnati. They're out in Arizona and. Uh, what has been a uh, sort of lackluster offseason uh, got a little bit more interesting uh, in the last week or so. Um, before we get into some of the, uh, I guess, the elephant in the room, uh, the new contract that was given out by the Reds this week, how about we talk about... That's a pretty about, big elephant, too. That's a pretty big <laughs> elephant, yes. Uh, no question. Uh, before before that was announced, what were your thoughts about the uh, the, the offseason? Um. I, it, it was. I mean, it's hard to say that it was anything but disappointing. And I have a feeling that you know, if you were behind closed doors with no microphones, you'd probably hear a bunch of the same from uh, most in the Reds' front office, even probably including Walt Jockety. I think they probably had some kind of imagination of what might happen, and um, they they, for whatever reason, um, were unable to accomplish uh, the plan or the goal. Um, I don't think that they they felt like there needed to be major overhaul changes to the team, um, but I have a feeling that they wanted them to make a few moves and were just unable to accomplish that. I think that's a good point that sometimes uh, gets lost in, in all the snarky commentary that we see on Twitter and elsewhere about you know somebody needs to wake up Walt Jockety. Uh, you know this the offseason started with a bang, uh, new manager, uh, and and all the. Uh, I guess rumors and uh, talk about moving, possibly moving Brandon Phillips somewhere. So I think that the, you're probably right. I think the Reds front office did intend to uh, to make this sort of a uh, transit, not necessarily a transitional off season, because I don't think they felt like they had to rebuild. But uh, I thought I think they probably believed that they have more work to more work. There's more work to be done than they actually got done. So I, I guess I, what, I, what I'm saying is I I, I can see that uh, there would be some frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think that they were there were certainly moves out there that they had hoped to make, um, whatever those moves are. I, I mean, I don't think they went into the off season planning to stand pat. I think that you know things just you know you're competing with uh, 29 other teams trying to uh, accomplish certain goals, and um, sometimes the players that you want end up being a lot more expensive than you have the ability to pay and the players that you can afford aren't exactly the kind of players that you're willing to spend money on and I, you know i think that's kind of just what happened to the reds this year exactly a, and i'm not trying to make excuses for them or you know i think it was a very disappointing off season i'm just trying to say that um you know that 
that's just kind of the way the business goes sometimes, and the Reds ended up on the bad end of it this offseason. Yeah, it's a zero-sum game. I mean, they, they, there may not have been anything out there that they could uh, get, but let's, I, I'm like you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Uh, I'm extremely disappointed. I had hoped for some uh, something big, and I don't even really know what that is, which is why I guess I'm not uh, behind those closed doors. But I was hoping for something <laughs> that would, uh, I don't know, get us, get us a little more interested, uh, a little more excited for the new year. Now, the big move that they did make, uh, although I, it's not going to help them, it's not going to improve them this year. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, why in the world did I read this correctly? They gave uh, over a hundred million dollars to Homer Bush. What? Homer Bush, yes, yes. Um, Homer Bailey. Oh, he, oh uh, he's oh. apparently a pitcher. Yeah, he's in, in a pretty good pitcher. Uh, six years, one hundred five million dollar contract. Um, how happy are we about this? <laughs> I, um, you know, this is one of those deals that I have been racking my brain and like in, in like searching my emotional center and kind of like staring off into space and all that uh, stuff, just trying to figure out how I feel about it. And I, I'm really, I come down right dead center on the fence. Um, I think the great thing about this, the great thing about this deal is it extends the window. Probably only, I think, realistically, only maybe four years. But this window was was going to close hard after 2015 if they didn't sign some of the pitching, because they don't really have outside of Tony Singrani and possibly Robert Stevenson if he comes if he can be anything in the major leagues. Outside of those two guys, they didn't have any starting pitching signed past 2015. So what this does is it gives them a a potential frontline starter. Um, you know, for, you know, like I said, realistically for four more years, I know he signed for six more years. We'll get into why I don't, I don't believe that you, you count all six years, but, um, so that I think is important because then that gives you, um, a couple, you know, another pitcher to go along with, uh, you know, Votto and Phillips and Bruce who, who will also be here through that time. So that's the good, that's the good side of it. Yeah, well, we'll get into the bad side of it in a moment. Let me, uh, for for my from my perspective, and and all anyone who's listened to uh, these podcasts uh, over the years, uh, both both of you, my my mother and, and I've got an uncle that's been listening to us, um, will know that uh, we have been huge fans of Homer Bailey here. Just and, and this, again, this is not uh, this is not sabermetrics. This is not even back before he was, uh, I guess. When Marty started calling him a bust, I guess we we were we were urging patience with Homer, um, just because of that live arm, and we were always sort of hoping that he would uh, put it together. And, and certainly the last two years, he has put it together. So, I guess just uh, on the surface of it, I'm ha- pretty happy that Homer Bailey is going to be a Red uh, for the foreseeable future, because uh, because because I like Homer, I'm a fanboy. Um, now, if you want to sort of break it down, I think there are arguments on both sides as to whether or not this is a good deal or a bad deal uh, for the Reds. Um, I think that you can uh, make an argument that it's a fair contract. I, you know, he certainly the Reds didn't get a, a discount here or no kind of a bargain. Right. Um, but I think if you look at it uh, based upon what he could reasonably be assumed in terms of uh, wins above replacement to provide over the six-year term of this uh, deal, I, I think there's an argument to be made that uh, – it's a it's a fairly priced contract, and uh, you know the Reds have always been the, the club that uh, is searching for hometown discounts and, and, and things like that. And of course, um, you get a little bit of that when you uh, 
when you're buying out uh, some of these other guys, they've bought out some years of free agency, so they got a little bit of a discount. Everybody's doing that these days, but um, I, I think that if you want to look at the at the glass half full, you can say, well, it's a it's a fair contract, uh, and he might have even gotten more if he had another good year uh, this year on mm-hmm. the uh, on the free agent market. Probably would have, frankly. So, um, well. You know, it's not my money. I guess is what it comes down to. And and if, right. if they've got the money, um, I I don't think that. Um, well, at least for the next few years, they're not going to regret this contract. Yeah, and uh, you know, the hard part. Um, I like to say that you know, a six-year contract for a pitcher is probably similar in terms of. Um, reasons to be afraid as a ten-year contract for for a hitter. Sure, yes, and and essentially what that means is it's built into the back end of that deal that you're probably going to be eating some money. Uh, it's a little less likely with Homer as it is, say, compared to Joey Votto because it's almost a guarantee that Votto is going to. I mean, he those last couple of years are are going to hurt. Yes, uh, they're going to hurt. From the from the amount of production he gives you per per the amount of mo- uh, money that you're spending on him, not I mean it may not hurt because who knows the the game is so flush with cash, who knows what it'll be like by then, um, but it's going to hurt from just the specifics of what Vado's getting paid for what he's producing. There's a pretty good likelihood that in year five and year six, just just statistical likelihood that it's going to happen the same with Homer. Um, I yes, he's he's young. He's a lot younger. Um, but the fact is, is that projecting a pitcher out six years is such um, it's it's a crapshoot. I mean, and it's um, you know, I looked at some numbers, and you know, the pitchers who have pitched a good quality amount of innings for a couple years. Um, and I looked at age twenty six and age twenty seven, which we've just seen with Homer. Um, you know, it, it's still that group of pitchers by age 33. Uh, you're just not seeing very many guys that are are throwing 180 innings, 150 innings. You know, the majority of those guys are down. They're down. You know, 120 or less. And so, um, there's just such a good likelihood uh, that. You know, as healthy as Homer's been the last two years, something's going to pop up. Either his skill's going to immediately deteriorate. I mean, you look at, like, um, Aaron Harang. I mean, Aaron Harang was just rolling along. He wasn't, you know, a dominant pitcher by any stretch, but he was a very good pitcher. And then it only took, well, I mean, it appears to have been that one relief appearance. And then all of a sudden, you know, the wheels fell off. Well, obviously, Homer's unlikely to have that similar kind of a path, but it only takes one little thing to throw you off. I mean, look at the amount of confidence that people have lost in Johnny Cueto just because of last season. I mean, Johnny Cueto for a couple of years has been a perennial uh, Cy Young contender, at least going into the season. And then, you know, last year he just, he wasn't, he didn't pitch much because of injuries. Uh, he had that embarrassing offseason. And he's almost kind of an afterthought in the rotation right now for some people, not a lot of people, but for some people. Right. And, and you know, he's still only 27. So it's, perceptions can change on the value of a pitcher uh, so much more quickly, I believe, than, than with a hitter. And so that's kind of the risk that you're set up with with Homer is that, um, at some point along the way, he's going to hit that wall that so many pitchers hit, and maybe he won't. And you, and you know, 
I really hope he doesn't. I really hope that Homer gets another big contract in his life because if he does, then that means that he's pretty much earned every dime that the Reds have given him. Um, And whether that big contract would be with the Reds, who knows? But that's six years down the line. Um, But, you know, it's that's for me, that's the huge fear is that um, six years is an awful long time for a pitcher. Yeah, if you'd ask me three months ago, how many pitchers in baseball would you give six years to? Um, I don't think, frankly, Homer Bailey would have been on that list. Uh, that, right. that it would have been a pretty short list, uh, uh, beginning with Clayton Kershaw. Uh, and so really the hope for the Reds, I guess, is that these next two or three, uh, even four years, uh, having that uh, another anchor in the rotation – um, you talk about extending the window, and that's a great way to put it. Uh, I think we've all been a little scared that this window of opportunity the Reds had to be a really competitive club is starting to starting to close a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, so the fact that we are going to have at least one uh, guy here uh, in Homer, and hopefully we'll see what happens. I guess for the rest of them, that's the next thing I want to uh, discuss actually. Um, but uh, but but. It's a little bit of a security for the next few years. Makes you uh, makes me feel uh, a little better about the Reds going forward. Now, the one question that I saw asked everywhere, and um, and I'll just go ahead and say up front, I don't have any idea how to answer it. But the question is, what does this mean for Matt Latos? Uh, there's a, sort of an assumption among a certain segment of uh, the Reds fans that. This means that they've chosen Homer over Latos, and there's not going to be money left for Latos. Now, I, don't, I think that's ludicrous uh, uh, because, I, I, again, I don't know what their uh, uh, budget uh, says, but can you imagine any scenario under, under which the Reds won't try next year probably to uh, try to lock up Latos as well? Um, I, I think they're going to try. Uh, and I think, I mean, I think they try with everybody. I think they tried with Chu. I think it was they knew it was pretty unrealistic that they didn't really have a shot, but I think they did try to lock up Chu as well. Um, I think the question, and this is one of those questions that we have no idea, and, I, and I've become more and more convinced that we have no idea what the answer is because um, we never thought that they'd sign Votto. And then once they signed Votto, we never thought they'd sign Phillips. And we never thought they'd sign, be able to sign Homer, you know. So I don't know where that line is. Eventually, they're not going to be able to sign somebody that really makes sense to sign. You could argue whether or not it really made sense to sign Chu. I, I'll, you know, I think it really makes sense to sign Latos, given his age, given his production, given you know, kind of the the trajectory that he seems to be on right now. The the question is, you know, right now. Based on Homer's contract, you have to imagine that right now, um, Latos is probably six and one twenty, right? You know, so sure, certainly it, that that's probably your starting at your point. baseline, yes. Right. Um, if he comes out and has a uh, you know a top ten season in pitching, um, you know that may go up to one fifty. Uh, you're gonna you're starting to get into areas there where it's like, well. Can you really afford to be paying Homer sixteen million and Joey twenty million and Latos twenty million? Uh, you know, it's going to start getting a little. There, there is, there is that cutoff line at some point, and, you know. And you think about the fact that that the Reds even had to do a little bit of accounting trickeration in order to be able to afford Homer, where they're paying him in the off season, they're not paying him during the season. I don't, 
understand that and maybe someday you can get some smart person on here that actually understands this stuff. Um, but the fact that they're having to do little tricks like that just to be able to afford Homer makes me a little uneasy about whether or not they're going to be able to afford Latos. But like you said, it's just one of those questions that we're not going to know the answer to until either home or until the either Latos announces his contract or announces his free agency. I think if he gets a free agency, there's probably the Reds probably aren't going to be able to compete for him. Well, and if Latos continues performing as he has in the last couple of years, uh, he's been uh, well more valuable by some uh, metrics uh, than Homer, of course. And, mm-hmm. and he just turned 26 a couple months ago. I mean, this is a guy who, if he decided he wanted to hit the free agent market, um, is going to break somebody's bank. I mean, as long as he stays healthy. And of course, we right. want to talk in a minute about his health because uh, that's been one of the headlines in the uh, this uh, spring camp early in camp um, mm-hmm. yeah I, you know I don't, I don't know what the answer is uh, as I said at the outset of this I hope uh, that they uh, are able to make not just a run at Latos because I agree just I, they made a run at chew I'm sure I just that was probably never realistic mm-hmm. I, I hope they can be realistic uh, contenders for uh, Latos's services going forward um, I think it's encouraging that the Latoses have bought a house in Cincinnati and and that's kind of you know, maybe it's not as big of a deal as it feels like it should be, um, partly because, you know, he is guaranteed to be here for three years, um, or two more years, I guess it was, uh, but they bought last summer. So, right. um, you know, that is that is somewhat encouraging. That that at least tells me that he likes it here. Um, you know, you could find a guy who knows he's only going to be here two years. If he's not completely sure he likes it here, he may not want to do anything that feels like he's setting down roots. Um, you know, so that is somewhat encouraging, and that is actually why I thought the Reds might after might actually go after signing Latos before they sign Bailey. But you know, I I kind of um, I misjudge whether or not Homer Bailey really wanted to stay here. Well, I, I entirely misjudge that one. I, matter of fact. I, I, I would not have put a single dollar on a bet that Homer Bailey was going to stay. I just, you know, the stuff last summer, I guess, and maybe I, maybe that was overblown in my head, where uh, sort of the, it wasn't really a feud, but uh, Homer's uh, pointed comments towards uh, Marty Brenneman and, and wouldn't uh, wouldn't talk to Marty. Um, you know, I just I wondered if uh, the writing was on the wall that uh, mm-hmm. because he's it's been an up and down career for him in Cincinnati so far. He was the savior, and then he was a bust, and um, then he uh, a little bit of an underrated uh, ace, even mm-hmm. the last couple of years. So, um, so it surprised me. Uh, at this point, I, I need to just come to the realization that I should not be surprised by any of this because I did not expect, like you said, Vado or, mm-hmm. or Phillips did not expect this one. Um, so, anything the Reds can do these days uh, wouldn't surprise me. Um, on Latos. Of course, uh, he underwent surgery uh, last week to repair a torn meniscus in his left knee. And uh, they showed him doing some maybe long tossing. Uh, they showed him on the field today. I saw some pictures of him on the field. Uh, yeah. So he's making a speedy recovery, uh, we hope. Oh, that's the same injury that uh, Joey Votto had that uh, screwed up his year a couple years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, we, we keep being told there's nothing to worry about here. Um, and that, that's what I want to believe. Yeah. What's well, and, well and I think the big difference between Latos and Vado is that Vado never seemed comfortable afterward, whereas Latos uh, has 
you know, based on his quotes, sounds as if he doesn't even realize he had surgery, you know? Right. Um, it's so, I don't know. I, I, I'm not concerned about him for the start of the season. Um, you know, he may be maybe a week behind or, you know, two weeks behind his teammates, but, you know, I don't get the impression that there's any reason to be concerned um, that he's, that he wouldn't be uh, in the rotation. He may only be a five inning guy when the season starts as opposed to a six or even seven inning guy. Um, but, you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I can handle that early on. Um, uh, let's talk about, uh, since we're talking about Latos and Homer Bailey, who's the ace of this club? Um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's it's always weird. You know, people want to debate who's going to start opening day. Um, but I think it's actually an interesting conversation this year because I, I, I think realistically, uh, you know, you could have three different guys start it, um, you know, with Latos and uh, Bailey and that one guy. Oh, man, he started in the playoffs last year. What's I mentioned name? him earlier. Johnny Cueto. Cueto. Right. <laughs> uh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, as long as he never starts in Pittsburgh again. Exactly. Um, uh, no, it's um, – I mean, it's. I don't know that we necessarily realize how fortunate we are to have, uh, you know, three high-quality pitchers like that, and how. It, I mean, it is a realistic debate. You know, like I said, I mean, people have kind of forgotten about Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto, who had a 2.82 ERA last year. Um, it was only 11 starts. Uh, the injuries are a problem. If he's not healthy, then he's not helping. But when he's on the mound, he's still a excellent pitcher like he's he would you know last the uh the playoff game not notwithstanding he is still the one that of the three that i would want pitching in that crucial situation because i think that he is your best bet to go out there and give you seven shutout innings now the other two guys are great bets for that as well um and i know that uh uh, Nick Kirby out there, if he's listening, is probably going to send me the stat about Homer Bailey throwing more seven shutout inning games than anybody last year or whatever. <laughs> uh, I still think that Cueto is the best of the three. Um, health, you know, if, assuming all are healthy. Uh, if I were ranking them, um, I would probably say Homer, Latos, I'm not Homer, uh, Cueto, Latos, Bailey, in that order. But... I think if you if you shuffled them randomly and stuck one of them out on opening day and one in game two and one in game three and I, I given that they're playing the Cardinals I certainly think that those are going to be your first three starters um, I I would be perfectly happy with any of the three out there on the mound absolutely and we we talk about how it's sort of a pointless debate but in my mind it, it almost it makes me excited to be able to say that the opening day starter is not Jimmy Haynes or a you know a Haynes quality starter. Uh, Corey Lytle. Corey Lytle, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, it's funny to talk about Cueto as uh, the forgotten man here, and, and that's because of the injuries, obviously. But you look at 2011, 2012, 2013, ERAs of 2.31, 2.78, 2.82. Again, injury problems have uh, – he's not pitched as much as we'd like him to. But if this guy's healthy, this guy is, in, to my mind, as good as anybody uh, not named Kershaw in the league. Uh, you know, that might, be, that might be overstating it a little bit, but he's been very, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I would probably rank him exactly the way you did. 
which is to say that Homer Bailey, uh, possibly there's an argument that he's the third starter. Um, how many teams have a third starter uh, of that quality? So Reds fans need to really understand this is almost unprecedented for a lot of, especially a lot of younger Reds fans, uh, or maybe even the older Reds fans too, in terms of a t- top three that solid. When's the last I, time? I mean, I mean, you're, I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't looked closely at the numbers here, but you're probably talking that early forties. I mean, you're talking Bucky Walters, Paul Derringer, and Johnny Vandermeer. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's that's. Uh, not to get too John Arardi on this, but that's really kind of <laughs> how it is. I mean, it's it's if you're trying to put it in the perspective of Reds fans and Reds, you know, the majority of Reds fans probably don't even recognize outside of Vandermeer, don't recognize Bucky Walters, Paul Derringer, and Johnny Vandermeer. But that was um, maybe the best uh, threesome. Uh, well, I won't say ever for the Reds, but uh, you know, at least the most recent best Reds threesome and that was you know the early to mid 40s wow you really did go already on us there didn't you i i did impressive, <laughs> impressive. i like it yeah I, you know i started thinking uh i want to say early 90s but no it's not then then you, so you go back to the big red machine um and, you and know, they you had got, good pitching uh, they had good pitching gullet um, gullet and uh, nolan were good but but they, know. I don't know. I mean, Gullet, yeah, Gullet maybe would compete with this threesome. But yeah. I mean, Nolan. By the time that Gullet came along, I mean, Nolan was just a kind of more of a crafty pitcher than anything at that point. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's these are three guys that know how to get outs and know how to, you know, they can miss bats when they need to, and they, uh, you know, Cueto's just become super efficient and. And, uh, you know, Latos and, and Bailey, um, you know, they're good swing and miss guys. I mean, so, I mean, I think it's uh, it's very exciting. If there's a reason to be optimistic about the season, it's that. It's those three guys um, and how, you know, they, they could potentially, between the three of them, if they can stay healthy and if Mike Leake can give you a typical Mike Leake season and if Tony Singrani can, you know, at least give you 25, 30 start, you know, in that area, um, you know, they're going to be in good shape, I think. Yeah, Leak and Singrani for fourth and fifth guys in a rotation. Uh, there were there were years I'd take either of those guys as a number two guy in the res yeah. rotation or, or better yeah. even some years. So uh, you're, you're right. If there's a reason to be excited about the Reds, that's it. Uh, what makes me a little underwhelmed is that the, that rotation was pretty doggone good last year, um, and still this was a third-place club. So, Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think we're going to see some regression from the Pirates. Um, you know, I, I I look at the Pirates and I see a lot of 2011 Reds in that Pirates mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Um, you know, it may not happen that way. I mean, history doesn't always repeat itself. And, you know, I think you're going to see some regression from the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals have so much talent that uh, they may they may hide that regression by overperforming elsewhere. Um, but, you know, you remember, they hit so well with runners in scoring position last year. That ha- I mean, it just has to fall back some. Um, so, you know, I... I, I, I I'm not going to say the Cardinals are not the the favorites because obviously the Cardinals are the favorites in the division. And, you know, I tip my hat to them. They did everything they needed to do to improve their team and to fill their holes. Um, but, you know, look how, how good we thought the Washington Nationals were going to be last year. I mean, it was obvious to everybody that the Washington Nationals were the best team in the National League. And it just didn't, you know, it didn't work out that way for some reason. And I know they're the Cardinals and that kind of stuff never happens to them. But one of these years, it's going to happen to them. 
Yeah. Why not this year? <laughs> well, we'll keep our fingers crossed, but you're right. It's a, uh, it could happen to anyone and, uh, and has happened to anyone. I just look at that Cardinals organization though. And they've just, uh, they look like they just plug their, uh, plug their holes and get better reload every year. That's just, I hate to say it. That's a well-run organization, but, yeah. uh, but I don't, I don't mean to, uh, insinuate that the Reds should just go ahead and uh, throw in the towel. Already, right. um, you know this team could come out and the lineup could uh, uh, perform better than some of us are afraid it, it's going to, and this could be a just an outstanding club and could be you know as good as we saw a couple years ago. And who knows what happens once you get in the playoffs? I th- I th- it, on, from an offensive perspective, I think the thing that is good about the Reds is that there isn't anybody coming off a, a major career year. Um, you know that was Chu. Now, obviously, you're. You're coming off of Chu's career year, so you've got to find some place to fill that in. Um, but you, you know, there's nobody on the roster that you look at him and say, "Ugh, that guy is going to fall back hard." And so I think that's a good thing. Um, that's one of those things that gives me hope that they may overperform what we expect of them. You know, maybe, maybe you know, I don't expect 2012 Ryan Ludwig, but maybe we'll get a, a reasonable facsimile if he can. You know, if if he's league average, I think that's a little better than than you know people are expecting of him right now. If Brandon Phillips really was just bothered by that that wrist all year, which is realistic. I mean, you can look at the numbers and it's realistic to think that that was really just the nagging injury and he can get you a win back from where he was. Um, you know, it's doubtful that to- Todd Frazier is going to have another 0 for 31 stretch. Uh, you know, so little things. It doesn't need to be major improvements anywhere. It would be helpful. It'd be helpful if, you know, maybe Jay Bruce finally you know, I've stopped saying this, but you know, w- wouldn't it be amazing if Jay Bruce suddenly throws out a seven-win season just out of nowhere? You know, do, um, so things, something like that could happen. You know, maybe Devin Mazzarocco suddenly hits twenty-five home runs. Something like that could happen. Hope is not a good strategy, but it's you know, it, I don't have to get way out on the ledge for me to see the possibility, and I. Th- to me, that at the very least, you know, you've got an 87 win team here. It doesn't take much for an 87 win team to turn into a 92 win team. I'm sorry, I'm just sitting here dreaming about a seven win uh, Jay Bruce. Uh, <laughs> you're right. Uh, there's really nowhere on the diamond that you can look and say, ah, oh, this guy is going to regress back to the mean or, or has no chance of putting together a little bit better year. Now, it's going to have to be a lot of little bit better years to make up for the production that we're losing with Chu. What right. a season that guy had. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I have to think Mesoraco is going to be better. I think Frazier's going to be a little better. Uh, you're right about that Brandon Phillips. I, I, I don't expect a whole lot of, out of Phillips these days. Um, but it's, it's reasonable, as you noted, to, to say that maybe some of his poor production at last year was due to the injury. Um, and so maybe he's back. Uh, maybe Zach Cozart not batting uh, first or second. You know, maybe he can be a, a more than a, a sort of a black hole in the lineup, and because mm-hmm. uh, he, he does have some. Uh, well, he's not a black hole. He's not Paul Yanish. I mean, he's got he he's got some uh, some high points, I guess, uh, in his game with the bat. He's great defensively. Um, so yeah, and 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 Joey Votto, you know, there's talk that the uh, knee injury even lingered into last year, and and who knows? But uh, I just want Joey Votto to be Joey Votto. Um, but but now that brings up another point. 
Joey Votto is not Joey Votto anymore. <laughs> Who's this new Joey Votto we've seen the last uh, last little bit? Uh, I, it's it's weird. Yeah, he's at, he's on uh, Lance McAllister's show and a great uh, piece by uh, Trent Rosecrans in the uh, Inquirer uh, about Votto and how he's sort of opening up more and becoming more comfortable in his own skin. I think and more comfortable being who he is in uh, in the Cincinnati market. Um, I didn't see this coming, but it's uh, it, I'm loving every minute of it. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this today. It, it's weird. On the one hand, you've got Vado, who is making this big publicity push, um, you know, trying to ingratiate himself with the fans and kind of just open himself up to the fans. And on the other hand, you've got Brandon Phillips, who's closing himself off. Now, he's not closing himself off from the fans. Obviously, Brandon Phillips is probably still going to be out there smiling, shaking hands with the fans and doing what he does. But... You know, he's completely shut himself down in the media, and Vado has completely opened himself up in the media. And it's two, you know, very different storylines coming out, um, you know, kind of intertwined with each other. And, um, you know, it, it, it could lead to some weird drama during the season, but it, it, it you know, if two years ago, if you had said, if I had said to you, Chad, you know, one of the red superstars is going to be on the radio all the time talking to fans. And the other one is going to be closing, you know, telling people to go away and leave them alone. And you don't want to talk about it, you know, talk to anybody. You, you might not have picked uh, the way it turned out. You might have I, picked these two players, but not uh, yes. in those roles. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, um, I mean, I think it's, if there was one um, happy development of this offseason for the Reds, it's the uh, the exposure of Joey Votto, and I, I've really enjoyed it. Oh, it's been fantastic. And, um, and what has really amazed me is that he hasn't backed off. He, you know, all the criticism that he got, and, and we both agree that it was uh, ludicrous the way he was criticized for his approach to the plate, but he hasn't backed off that. But what he's tried to do is explain, here's why I do this, and this is who I am, and um, – and, and uh, guys, as smart as they come, uh, and, and a very good sort of advocate for his view of how uh, how Joey Votto needs to hit, and um, it's really interesting to see him become. I said it a moment ago, but I think that's uh, the best way to describe it, in my opinion. Just more comfortable in uh, being who Joey Votto is. This this is who who he is, and he's intense on the field, but off the field he's thoughtful, and uh, the players all say that he's you know a, a great guy. And, and and that comes through in these uh, conversations he's had with uh, both with uh, Trent and with uh, Lance McAllister, uh, mm-hmm. you know, t- taking questions uh, to any and all questions that come at him. And you've seen a guy with a sense of humor and a guy that uh, is very confident, but it's not full of himself uh, and uh, is very appreciative of where he is. You couldn't ask for a better uh, uh ambassador for the the Cincinnati Reds and it, it it is almost like I had I hadn't put it together with Brandon Phillips and and what's just been almost a dumpster fire over the last 8 months uh in terms of the way he and the media have uh th- that relationship has devolved but uh for the longest time Brandon Phillips uh was sort of the face of this franchise um and, and I'm not saying that like it's a bad thing you know he was he's every event the Reds asked him to go to he was there 
always smiling, always uh, signing autographs. But it's almost like Joey Votto said, wait a minute, I'm the guy that's going to be here till, uh, um he's got a contract signed through age 66, I think. Yeah, something uh, around that. Yeah, and, and you're right. He probably, around age 60, he's probably not going to be worth his contract. Uh, but uh, he's he's almost been like this is this is my community and um, and there's no reason I shouldn't be the face of the franchise and I don't think he thought about it in those terms but um, it's just uh, another example of his investment uh, in this club um, things like him learning Spanish to talk to his teammates he this is a guy that is fully invested in the Cincinnati Reds and I don't know why Reds fans by and large don't uh, give him more uh, credit for that well and I you know I think. I think if you polled the majority of Reds fans, I think the you know the majority of them would be in his court. Now they may not understand the way he plays the game, um, but I think the majority of them would be happy. Now, if you could separate the idea of that money, they would be happy that Joey Votto is on their team. Now the money, I think the money clouds things a lot for people. I think it makes people, you know. I think there's a segment of people that see that money and will never get over that money. They don't understand that money. They don't, it doesn't make sense to them. And um, and then to some people, it's even insulting that a that a ball player would make that amount of money and they hold it against Votto, um, which you know to me is unfortunate. I I kind of understand why it happens. It's unfortunate because I think the perspective is that the player doesn't deserve that, but the counter argument then is that if the player doesn't deserve it then does the owner because the owner is the one that's going to get it um either way so uh but that's that's going way off tangent um so i i it's the people that aren't bothered by the money who um are still bothered by vado uh that i don't quite grasp because you know like you said there is no better ambassador um just in terms of somebody who uh, is happy to be here uh, and and wants to um, wants to be the best at what he does and works his, you know his rear end off to you know be as good as he can be um, and you know there's why why fans wouldn't rally around a guy like that is is a little surprising but I I mean I think the majority of fans are probably pretty happy that he's here. Yeah, I would, I'd say that's probably true, too. But on the other hand, you've got the first time this year there's a runner on third base and and he takes a walk and Marty Brenneman does what Marty Brenneman does mm-hmm. and the pitchforks and start coming out. Can, can, can he survive the sort of – thinking that we see all too often and i don't want to criticize marty too much because i love marty he's outside of vin scully uh marty is the voice he's the voice of my childhood anyway uh and outside of vin scully he's as good as they come at describing the action on the field um are are we going to see any any sort of a change maybe this year in your opinion because maybe he's being more open about his approach and why he does what he does that maybe obviously trent uh, rosecrans article this is a guy that's put some thought into it and, and trent you know, understands where Votto's coming from. Are we going to get a little bit more of a thoughtful approach from the media? Or is that just a sort of a pipe dream? I mean, do you, do you see that happening? Um, I think you will. And I think part of the reason you will um, may be because the manager is different. Um, I think that if there is not any uh, open tension between the manager and the player, uh, that you'll be less likely to see that tension feed up through the media. 
Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Brian Price is fully in Joey Votto's court as to who Joey Votto should, you know, how he should, uh, you know, perform out on the field. But um, I would say that it's it's unlikely, at least this first year, that you're going to see a lot of uh, passive-aggressive criticism like you saw from Dusty Baker. And, uh, and I think that'll help. Um, I think it'll be less likely if there's not somebody in the clubhouse that's complaining to the media about it, it'll be less of a story, I think. That's a good point. And you, you call it open tension, but I would even say open disdain on the part of uh, the Reds' previous manager towards Votto's philosophy. And, uh, and whether Price – the jury's still out on Price. I don't know. You know, we don't really don't even know what his philosophy is. There have been some encouraging signs and things he said, but we don't know what he's gonna, mm-hmm. how he's gonna feel about uh, the way Votto approaches his job. But if he can, they can just keep it in house, keep it in the clubhouse, uh, then maybe it keeps it from being a story uh, too much. I mean, Marty's gonna say what Marty's gonna say, but um, you know, we we had Chris Welsh on the uh, on the. Uh, podcast a few weeks ago and you got Chris in the broadcast booth who is another guy that's pretty thoughtful and, and willing to uh, think past some of the platitudes that have been tossed around in baseball over the last hundred years so yeah maybe if there's not an opportunity to make it a story and maybe that's wishful thinking but maybe you're right maybe maybe it won't be a story at some point I would just like the everyone to accept that this is uh, sort of as you put it a moment ago this is a guy who is supremely talented but above and beyond that, who's working every single day at perfecting his craft, and uh, by doing that, it makes the ball club that we all love better. Um, and, and so, I, you know, he should be, uh, like he said in the article, he said he thought he was going to become one of the Beatles uh, after he signed that big contract and or after he won the MVP. Maybe he should be a Beatle around here. I mean, maybe even just <laughs> maybe just Ringo, but uh, <laughs> but maybe one of the uh, Beatles. This guy should be. He's a He's he's the embodiment of everything that I've uh, sort of wanted to see in a ball player um, since I became a little bit more aware of some of the advanced metrics and advanced analysis. Um, I couldn't have picked a better guy to be a Cincinnati Red. Yeah, and you know what's funny is it's not like he, um, you know, he he's not aloof when he's on the field. He doesn't have those qualities that kind of ticked off a lot of people about Adam Dunn. Um, right. You know, he's, he's, he's a little weird, that's for sure. You know, as Jay Bruce said, who's, but who is normal, right. um, you know, but he, he is not, uh, I, I just don't, I, I find it weird. I find it strange that, um, so many people are quick to like, just, you know, call him out and criticize him, you know, especially like the, you know, it, it may be only a, sm- a minor, a small minority, but it's a vocal minority of people who, um, are, obviously angered by Votto in some fashion and uh you know hopefully their voice gets a little bit quieter as the year goes on yeah yeah and you know he's not a uh we, we've heard for years about the the typical uh guy that Cincinnati fans love uh, uh, Chris Sabo it runs through a wall or uh uh you know Pete Rose obviously is the pr- prime example uh but even a guy like uh Chris Steins, if you if you remember him, mm-hmm. uh, just a guy that doesn't have a lot of uh, talent, and and Votto's got a lot of talent, but he's not running through walls. But you know, he's a guy that he strikes out, he gets mad. He he does display a little bit of uh, emotion out on the field when it comes to uh, you know when he doesn't do something up to standards. And and I would think that the regular guy, uh, you know, who uh, 
goes to work all day, comes out to the ballpark, and wants nothing more than to see the Reds win or sit on his couch and uh, and watch the Reds win a game. Would appreciate a guy that's so invested in uh, doing what he can to help the Reds win. I don't know. I would think he'd be more uh, iconic. I guess is what I'm in the Cincinnati culture. And maybe by the end of his career, he will be because presuming he stays healthy, he's going to have some amazing numbers by the end of his career. And and you know, well, ultimately, it's going to come down to if they can win a championship. Um, you know, it, it's just. <sighs> It may not be fair to the individual player, um, but I think that that's going to be a requirement that he's going to, for him to be considered among the the all time greats. At the very least, he's going to have to play it in in you know a World Series or two before fans are going to give him his due on that. And uh, you know, it, it's a shame that it may it may take that, but um, also it's a good goal to have, I guess. Well, he wins a World Series, and all of a sudden he's Barry Larkin in uh, Reds right. history. You know, uh, although Larkin got some uh, grief during his career as well, later in his career. Um, but yeah, that's a good that's a good point. If he can lead the Reds uh, to the promised land, as they say, he's going to go down. That might be the thing that really uh, changes some perceptions of him. Um, you know, well, sort of like uh, you think of a guy like Paul O'Neill, uh, you know, with the Yankees. Certainly, he's a Reds guy, but with the Yankees, he was the sort of the real intense type of guy, even more intense than Votto, no doubt. Um, you know, mm-hmm. became became a I won't say a Yankee legend, but very fondly remembered uh, because he was part of their uh, big run there in the nineties. So uh, that's a that's a sort of a strange comparison. I'm really regretting making it right now, but uh, but I, I I get what you're saying. You though. sort of get what I'm saying there. He's a he's a guy that wasn't necessarily ever loved, um, but by the end of his career, you know. Uh, keep putting up those numbers and uh, win a World Series or two, and all of a sudden uh, you're, a, you're a legend uh, in, in team history. So uh, He's already a legend in my, in, uh, in my eyes because I've so enjoyed the last few years getting to watch this guy uh, work at his craft. I, I, I still feel lucky every single day during the season that we get a, got a chance to watch Joey Votto play that day. So. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that um, you know he's a lot like Frank Robinson, uh, who never won a title in Cincinnati, and that you know when you go back and look at Robinson's numbers, um, they're mind-boggling for what he did in Cincinnati, and I think he's a little underappreciated, partly because he didn't win that title, and and partly because you know you being the best player on a team that that doesn't quite get over that hump i think people hold that against that best player a little bit maybe a little more than they would against um you know your fifth or your sixth best player and we see that a lot with vada you see a lot more conversation about vada's shortcomings than you do about todd frazier's or about uh even brandon phillips's shortcomings although i mean you know to be fair we do see quite a bit of that as well so i i, I think that it's you know it's similar comparison there between frank robinson and joey vado just as you know somebody who's at the top of their game um but if he if he can't win the title he's always going to be in all many fans eyes a step below, behind guys like johnny bench and pete rose no doubt no doubt even if his uh place in baseball history would uh, elevate him to those uh that that playing with those guys you're exactly right that's a great point um, although Frank Robinson, of course, is considered a baseball legend and is a baseball legend, that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also won two titles in Baltimore, exactly. so that helped him there. So as long as Walt doesn't tr- trade uh, Joey Votto for, I don't know, who the uh, latter-day Milt Pappas is, maybe uh, <laughs> maybe Bronson Arroyo, I don't know. Um, 
Uh, our dearly departed Bronson Arroyo. Should we say a, uh, a word or two about him since he's uh, off to Arizona this year? Have fun in Australia, Bronson. <laughs> yeah, he's. <laughs> did you see the picture of him uh, that came out here this weekend? Uh, yes, I oh, I did see that. Yeah, uh, ludicrous. Oh, I love Bronson. He had a he had a good career. And- I'll miss him. I think you know he's one of those guys that um, I never I never got excited that he was pitching, but when he was pitching, I kind of enjoyed it, especially when he was on. He was fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Move move that ball around. Change the arm angles. Um, if Homer Bailey can be as consistent the next few years at, at his established level of production as Bronson Arroyo was consistent in his Reds career, I think we'll be in good shape. Yep. Um, last thing, I saw something uh, some mentioned today that the Reds are asking uh, Scott Rowland to return as uh, an instructor in spring training. Not as a third baseman, just as an instructor. I, I, I sure hope it's not as a third baseman. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like, uh, you know, they might be bringing them in house. So, uh, if they can, the word is if they can get their schedules figured out, um, you know, I don't know what that means, but, uh, yeah, so that would be pretty awesome. I, I always liked Roland. I think he's, especially if he knows that he's coming to be a clubhouse guy, like his, his job is to come in here and kind of set that example, um, of how to be a pro, uh, I I think it should be a good thing if it happens. Yeah, I've been watching the Reds for a lot of years, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone praised universally for what he brought to the the club off the field. And you know, a lot of times we get uncomfortable talking about things like that because it can't be measured. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when everyone's saying the same things, there's there's something there. And uh, Roland, of course, a good guy, great sense of humor. Um, uh, even when his production dipped with Cincinnati, um, was a guy that everyone uh, just sort of uh, had all the respect in the world for. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Uh, I mean, I, I think you can you can make a clear connection to the maturity that he brought to the clubhouse and the development of some of those younger players. Now, perhaps it's not all his fault, and he doesn't deserve all of the credit, but he was certainly a portion of it. And I think that was important. I think it was important to Votto. I think it was important to Bruce. I mean, the, you look at Votto and Bruce, their influences when they first came up, or the, the guys, the stars that they saw were Dunn and, and Griffey. And those guys, um, you know, for as great of players as they were, I don't think that professionalism is a necessarily a word that you would right. stick on on what they did. And so, you know, it's it, it may sound silly from a sabermetric perspective, but I think that they're perhaps over a long term – it is useful to have some of those "quote unquote" professional skills, um, and just to be able to handle yourself on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I don't think it's incorrect to say that his uh, Roland's influence was overstated, probably uh, by a lot of people. Um, while also saying that uh, clearly, I think there was some influence, and it was a positive influence. And and, and you know, uh, from that sense, and. and especially his production uh, before the playoffs, at least in that uh, 2011 season, was outstanding. And, and uh, it does seem like a sort of a clear line of demarcation. Uh, the Reds were one thing as an organization pre-rolling and another thing after rolling in, in some sense. And, that's again, that's mm-hmm. really uh, sort of a nebulous statement. It, uh, it obviously can't be measured, but uh, you, you could sort of sense it. And I don't think it's unfair to give him some of the credit anyway. Well, I can certainly. I think we can certainly say that 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 atmosphere wasn't changing just with Dusty Baker. 
Well, Put it that way. There we go, and we'll leave it. Uh, we'll leave that. That I meant to bring it, bring up uh, this earlier, and I apologize. Uh, once again, this year you've put a ton of work in on the Red Leg Annual, which you know, for those of you that didn't uh, purchase it last year, first of all, why not? And second of all, you don't know what you missed because uh, let me get you. Uh, let me let you go ahead and sort of describe what the Red Leg Annual is, and we're looking at the uh, second edition of it coming up soon. Yeah, it's uh, you know a collection of writers from all over the internet, people that uh, that I knew their email address basically, <laughs> and um, I asked them if they you know want to come on and and write a little something about the Reds. We tried as best we could to make the team interesting. It was hard to do. Uh, it's hard to do partly because we know a lot of these guys really well already. So it's hard to find new things to talk about. But I think some of the guys found some really interesting things to talk about. There's some good discussion about uh, Zach Cozart from Red Leg Nation's own Richard Fitch. Uh, there's a, a good discussion about the bullpen from another Red Leg Nationer, uh, Chris Garber. So, uh, you know, there's some good stuff in there. Um, we have some outsiders that are new. Uh, Sean Lehman, who's pretty well known in the sabermetric community, he uh, does has his own uh baseball history database that he publishes every year. He uh, is also quite an expert on uh, Pete Rose's banishment and we're coming up on the 25th anniversary of Pete Rose's banishment from the game. And so he has a good article kind of recapping all of that and uh, talking about that, which I thought was really good and has some player profiles in there uh, with some quips and jokes and interesting things that you might not have expected about players. And um, you know, it'll, it'll be available at some point in this week, hopefully by uh, by Wednesday, uh, which I guess would be what the twenty sixth. So um, you know, look for on Twitter on Red Lake Nation, Red Reporter, all those guys. I'm hopeful you know they all had writers contribute. So hopefully you know they'll help get the word out and uh, you know go out and purchase it when it's out there. Do we have a price? Uh, it's going to be three dollars. Last year it was four dollars. We are bringing it down wow. for you, the customer, to three dollars. There's, there's, uh, you know, there's not a lot that you can get in Red's land that's this kind of a value. More, so, more bang for your buck. Uh, yes. Uh, really, for those of you that, if if you bought it last year, you already know. I mean, this is a high quality publication. It's an ebook. Um, very high quality. Uh, a lot of stuff you're just not going to see everywhere. We don't, you know, uh, we don't get preseason annuals like this uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, a really wide variety of content. If you didn't get it last year, you're going to be, I I'm telling you, I, I promise you, you're, you're not going to get a better value. Uh, a ton of entertainment and, and, and not just entertainment, but uh, informative. Uh, Red's opinions and uh, it's it's a great, great product. I can't push enough. Yes, we'll be pushing it at Red Leg Nation. Yes, we'll be pushing it on Twitter because uh, there's just nothing like it. It's, it's a completely um, unique product, as far as I'm concerned, in uh, in Red Leg Nation, uh, in mm -hmm. uh, uh, for Reds fans. So um, I can't push everyone out there enough to to give it a try. And you know, uh, three bucks. Uh, I, I guarantee you're going to be. Uh, you're, now that's not not a money back guarantee, but I am going to guarantee <laughs> that you that that you're going to enjoy that. So uh, I look forward to seeing it. I know you put it, in a ton you of work. Know what if you if you come whining about three dollars, 
you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I think it, I mean I I really do think it's there's some good content in there that um we go a little bit deeper than maybe you might see in your your traditional blog post uh you know the, to kind of give a little more information. Um and there's some history, some some interesting history you yourself did a a little uh, bit about um the 2014 uh Reds Hall of Fame class, which was enjoyable. Uh, so, I mean, I, it kind of spreads the game or runs the gamut there. Um, some history in there, some new stuff. Um, you know, talk about players maybe in, in fashions that you're not necessarily haven't thought about them about before. So, yeah, it's, hope it's, you all enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to, to read it myself. Uh, it's It really is a unique product and something that if you're a, a diehard fan of the Reds, and if you're listening to this podcast, you've got to be a diehard fan of the Reds, else why would you listen to, uh, to us? If you're listening at this point in the podcast, <laughs> you're a diehard Reds fan. Which which is why I really meant to mention it at the top, and, <laughs> and I forgot, so I'm going to put something in the, uh, I'll put something in the post, uh, in actual text, uh, to remind people to go, go purchase that, but uh, if for no other reason than Joel has put a ton of work into this thing. Thing, and uh, and we really need to support that because we don't get uh, we don't get products like this in Resland often enough. So I, I encourage everyone to go check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Um, well, what else can we talk about here, Joel? Uh, it's spring, you know. I think the as you can tell after having listened to all of this, the optimism is high because it is. spring spring um hopefully it stays that way hopefully you know they come out hot and uh you know win a bunch of games early on and we're all very happy and and loving for the rest of the season oh you know, <laughs> dare to dream but yeah you're right uh, you know I, I was sort of down a little bit about the season but yeah, they get out on the field and they start throwing the ball around and uh, you can't help but be a little optimistic hope hope springs eternal yep yep all right, Joel, I do appreciate you uh, joining us again, and this is going to be a regular occurrence during the season. So uh, if you don't like it, I- I'm sorry. That probably means you're not going to be tuning in. But if you do like it, we're going to be – Joel's going to be with us. Uh, uh, you know, We're going to be talking regularly throughout the season. Joel's officially one of our co-hosts here. We're very happy that he's come on officially uh, as part of the podcast here. We got to hopefully have some good things planned this year. Um, I don't know why you did it, but uh, we're certainly appreciative, Joel. Well, I like to hear the sound of my own voice, I guess. <laughs> well, we, we like to hear the sound of your voice, too. Um, all right, gang, I guess that's it for today. Uh, certainly go to uh, redlegnationradio.com, new, uh, new website there, and also at redlegnation.com where you can subscribe via iTunes or via the RSS feed to the podcast. Um, and I encourage you to do that so it'll be automatically downloaded. Uh, every, uh, every week we're looking, especially once the season gets started, it's going to be a, a, a weekly occurrence of our uh, inane conversations um, and of course obviously go and uh, follow J- uh, Joel on Twitter at JLookup that's L- J-L-U-C-K-H-A-U-P-T did I get that? That sounds about right yeah go, uh, go that's follow how him. I spell it at least <laughs> you can uh, follow me at, at D-O-T-S-O-N-C dots and see if you want but I don't, I'm not sure why you would um, and um uh, once again, really appreciate you uh, downloading and listening to us here. For Joel Luckup, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. <laughs>